Hello and welcome to Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I'm Caroline Ellen. I'm a social worker and parenting coach. My goal in my business and in this podcast is to help you raise kind, resilient young people. And it's to walk alongside you on your journey towards safer, stronger parenting. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I am absolutely delighted today to introduce to you Holly Ann Martin of Safe for Kids. Holly Ann is an absolute leader in her field, educating children and parents about everything they need to know about body safety and protecting children from sexual abuse, both in real life and online. I have admired Holly Ann's work for such a long time and it's an absolute privilege and honour to be speaking with her today. So thank you so much, Holly Ann, for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Holly Ann, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and how long you've been doing it for and, and all of the things? Well, I started my career as a teacher assistant working with kids with special needs and um, I was in a school, uh, one of the first schools in Western Australia trained in protective behaviours because a critical incident had happened and a volunteer bus aide had been abusing kids on the special needs bus. Mm. So we were trained um, back in the late 80s. And then um, in 2007, I went up into some remote Aboriginal communities in the Kimberley here. So I just um, saw a huge need for resources. So I quit my job and took a quarter of a million dollar loan out on my home to produce all the resources and been doing it full time ever since. Oh, and so what year was that? What year did you go into business? You might have said it, but it cut out for a moment. And I just want to say, what year did you go into business for yourself? So how long have you been doing this? Since 2007. Wow. And so can you talk to us about the work you do going into remote communities in particular? And what drove you to start? Um, well, I've trained... I've trained in every state and territory um, in Australia, but just the way that I teach the program has resonated um, in, with remote Aboriginal communities. So I've been in 71 remote communities across Australia and because I use stories, songs and sign language. Um, and I keep getting invited back. So um, local people will say it's about to, to the principal, it's about time you got Holly back because those kids are doing, you know, silly things on TikTok or mm -hmm. whatever it is. So the fact that I'm invited back is a huge, huge honour because, um, you know, I don't want to be another white person doing things to communities without consultation or, um, and probably one of the proudest things that I'm um, most proud of is that I've run over 70 workshops with solely Aboriginal men talking about child abuse and pornography and the effects on their brains and on children's brains. And um, it's just unheard of that, you know, the men, the men say, Holly, we like you because you tell us straight away and they're our kids too. Mm -hmm. um, but culturally women normally wouldn't talk to men about this sort of stuff, but the fellas don't feel like that and they want to be good dads and, um, you know, they want the information and I have to admit, it's not easy standing up in front of, you know, 35 blokes after football training in a remote yeah. community, but um, they love it. And I, it's not that I feel unsafe, it's just quite daunting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such important work. I mean, my next question for you is going to be, 
how important do you think this work is? Well, it's important everywhere because, you know, as you know, the statistics, um, depending which formulas you read, mm. when I do parent training, we say one third of Australia's children will suffer some form of sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. And that's, you know, the whole spectrum. So that could be kids being flashed at a bus stop to kids seeing pornography to the most heinous acts, mm. but no matter what the act is. And so... Um, you know, I don't have my own children and, and neither does my husband. Um, so we've sort of just gone, you know what, we'll just dedicate our lives to helping keep else's kids safe. Absolutely. They've been working all this time. So just nonstop. I've watched your Facebook page and you were just on the go constantly moving to different communities, presenting, working so hard to educate our communicate community topics and to really working so hard to keep our kids safe so thank you so much for all the work that you have been doing thank you those years so today we're going to talk through what the three things are that you wish every parent knew or the three things that you wish every parent knew about that that was the topic I put to you. So what was, do you want to talk through them now? Can you talk through, are they in a particular order or is it they're all equally important as each other? And can you step us through what they would be? Well, they're all linked, basically. Um, the first thing, um, you know, because protective, I call it protective education because protective behaviours came to Australia in the late 80s in the place of stranger danger because, as we know, um, only about... 90% um, of sexual abuse is somebody that's known by the child. But um, we need to talk about these other things that weren't included in the original program. And the first is consent. Consent got very topical at the beginning of the year. Um, and the government spent millions of dollars on that milkshake ridiculous video that I know you will have seen. But... I believe that we you need to start teaching children consent from, you know, babies. Um, and I know that's very controversial. And, you know, I've seen lots of people getting on Facebook saying, oh, I'm not asking my child to change their nappy and things like that. But it's not about um, that. It's about teaching body autonomy. And whenever I post something about consent on my Facebook page, I always get these um, aggressive people saying, oh, don't be bloody ridiculous. You can't talk to children about consent. We're not talking about sex and consent. We're talking about body autonomy. Yes, absolutely. And the reason I'm so passionate about teaching it from a very young age that the kids are the boss of their bodies is because when I'm working with 14-year-old young men in high school, they tell me they are watching at least two hours a week of pornography. And when I say, boys, why would you look at that? Oh, to learn technique, miss, to learn style. Let me stop you right there because that's not the right technique and there's no style. But there's no kissing. There's no foreplay. There's no pleasure for women. We know 88% of the pornography that's produced is violence against women. But there's no consent. Mm. So if we can grow children up um, knowing about consent, um, you know, I've had so many um, parents saying, you know, how the grandparents get upset when their children won't kiss them goodbye. We need to advocate for children. And there is still ways children can show respect 
but please don't. And then I've had grandparents, you know, get very upset with me. What are you saying? I'm a pedophile. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if, if you have to ask to cuddle your child or kiss your grandchild, then no other spotty, you know, <laughs> teen is going to get their heads on your child sort of thing. So we have to help parents have these conversations. And, you know, tickling is a great example. When I'm working with children, I always use, we talk about safe and unsafe touches and I use tickling and, you know, half the class don't like it. So I choose a child who doesn't like it and I go up to them and say, can I tickle you? And they sit on the carpet going, well, you're the teacher, do what you like. Mm. Well, do you know what? No. And then I'll start tickling them. And the second they say no or stop, I stop straight away and say to teach them that you can take consent back. Yeah. You've given it, but by saying no or stop, so just modelling these things, it's it's not hard. Teaching them that they're the boss of their bodies and that nobody should be doing anything to them without their consent. Um, you know, I've had mothers contact me. Um, one that comes to mind was an 11-year-old who was obviously being groomed on by somebody she thought was 14, but obviously was not 14, mm -hmm. who started asking for sexual pictures. And then, oh, but mum, I didn't want to upset him. <laughs> What? So, you know, if we can teach them that, you know, don't, it, your happiness, sorry, an adult's happiness does not, we can't put that on a child. Yes. Um, you know, we need to help children be um, assertive and things like that. So the second thing is pornography. We have to have that conversation. And again, when I do parent workshops, um, there's a lot of, um, round mouths when I say this sentence, but I believe that we start need to start having that conversation by the age of six yep. because there's so much pornography on YouTube. And I don't call it pornography with children, um, you know, primary, primary school age children. I call them private pictures or private movies. And when I'm brainstorming with children, you know, where might kids see pictures or movies with people with no clothes on? five-year-olds can tell me TikTok is always first, YouTube is second, and then it's Instagram, Facebook, and they just, Netflix, I don't put the words in the children's mouths, but they, they know where you can see those sorts of pictures. And recently I was in a school and a little five-year-old put up a hand and said, it's easy, miss. You just ask Siri. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. I know, right? Oh, you know, I hadn't thought um, about that one, but of course. So another little, five, so, um, another little girl, five years of age, put up a hand and said, um, Instagram. Um, and then another one says Snapchat. And I said, sweetie, you're five. How do you know about Snapchat? Oh, my 14-year-old sister's using it, obviously for sending nudes, because how did a five-year-old know that? Yeah. So we really have to have these conversations and it's not about frightening them it's just if you see pictures or movies with people with no clothes on and you're on your ipad for instance turn it over and go and show an adult mm. now i used to say go and tell an adult until um april last year i had a horrific experience myself where somebody had tagged me into some child exploitation material on instagram they'd come across something really heinous, didn't know how to deal with it. So they've put at Safe for Kids, which is me, at FBI, at Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm 
So, so I just get this random. Thinking I've got to report this to someone. This is how I'm going to report it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I get messages all the time. I think I just opened up this random message and burst into tears. I just could not believe the vile things that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. But I still had enough wherewithal to um, take a screenshot of the bloke's face, but not what he was doing, a screenshot of his Instagram account. I go back out to take a screenshot of the person who had sent it to me, but it had disappeared. Then I jump online and, and report it to the federal police and I'm typing it all out. And, and by the way, I've got photos and, you know, through my tears. After that, I go up into our house because my garden, my office is in the bottom of our garden. I go up into the house and say to my husband exactly what I saw. And he's gone, oh, yeah, like, what's the big deal? Mm. I'm almost hysterical and all he can give me is, oh, yeah. yeah. So it was a real eye-opener because if I can't articulate to my husband what I saw, how is a six-year-old supposed to articulate it? So I need children to show the adult what they've seen. Yes. Because children are describing flashbacks. They're having nightmares. They're thinking that dad's doing that to mum. Yeah. And I had a, um, a psychologist from um, New South Wales contact me late last year um, looking for some resources about something else. And then she said, oh, Holly, I just want to float this past you. She said, I'm counselling a five, uh, sorry, a 10-year-old um, young girl. I've had five sessions with her. She won't go to sleep at night. I can't get to the bottom of it. I've spoke to all of my colleagues trying to pick their brains. We, we just can't work it out. I said, it's easy. Go back and ask her if she's seen pictures or moves of people with no clothes on. She rings me back and says, my goodness, how did you know that? How did you? It's happening every What made you think of that? Because I'm facing it all the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, this, count, this psychologist said, Holly, it's not even on our radar. We, we didn't, you know, none of my colleagues, why is nobody talking about this? And you and I and, you know, quite a few of us are trying to bring this to people's attentions. But, you know, it's not in parents, um, you know, they when I talk about pornography in parent workshops, parents go back to the pornography that they might have been exposed to when they were children, like the magazine under Big Brother's bed or in Dad's cupboard or whatever, yes. not realising that's a magazine and it's static. Yes. But as you know, the violence, the, you know, the gonzo, all of these heinous things that are, um, children are coming across are nothing like that. That's right. I think so, even for um, parents, if they think back to video-based pornography, they tend to sort of have a little chuckle and they might even think of some sort of quirky movie involving the pool guy or, you know, it's like there's this sense of having a laugh about it and not realise, well, how has pornography actually changed over time? How violent has it become? What is it that our children are actually watching and how far is it from appropriate sex education? And I mean, as we know, we both well know the answer to that is it couldn't be further away from being appropriate. It actually has nothing to do with sex in that it's, it is about violence. It's about degradation. It's about no consent. It's traumatic material. So when children have been exposed to it, it's not just 
not a great experience, it's actually a traumatic experience and we need to respond to them as such. Exactly. And that's why I need the kids to show an adult what they've yeah. seen. And it was because... something that you posted that. I remember that you, I remember seeing when you shared that on Facebook, you must have said something about making an adjustment to your language. And I went, oh, I had such a light bulb moment of realising exactly what you meant and realising that, of course, for a child to try to articulate what they have just seen and actually have the parent able for it to resonate with the parent and for the parent to be able to respond yeah seen it as well and that might feel horrific but that's what we need to do we want the child to stop looking and to show an adult and that's how we're going to get the response from a parent that we're actually needing Mm. And, you know, six-year-olds love brain science. You know, let's not dumb it down for them. Lots of people water things down and make it all mushy for kids. No, we need to name it up. Um, so I get the children to join all their fingertips together and I say, our brains are amazing. And in our brains, we've got millions and millions of connections. And then I'll turn one hand over and say, but if you see pictures or moves of people with no clothes on, it changes the directions in your brain. You know, and then I talk about the dopamine um, that's produced in our brain. With older kids, we talk about the other, you know, oxytocin and serotonin. But with, with little kids, they don't need to know all the chemicals. Yeah. But they love it. And so I teach them to turn it over and say, that's private out loud and turn away. And that's, you know, that's to cut off the dopamine because I say it tricks their brain into going and looking at more and more. Mm. And our brains are amazing. And if we're, you know, if we eat, chocolate or running around our brain will create a little bit of dopamine but if you see pictures like that it's like a flood of this dopamine in your brain and that's what our brain wants more and more of so you know it's not a judgment it's science so you know (laughs) even when I'm working with teenagers say oh Holly we know it's not real but I explain to them that our brains can't tell the difference between seeing something and doing something it's why you know athletes visualize winning the race um, it's why kids watch unboxing and, you know, people playing, they watch videos of people playing Fortnite or Roblox or whatever because the, that dopamine is released in the brain as if they got the present or if they were actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are, parents really need to research, um, you know, you're putting out great content. There are so many people putting out content about this to arm parents with these um, to have these conversations, it's not hard. You know, there are some really good books. I think I've come up, I, there's probably now I, there's five um, books that I really like um, to help parents talk to their children about pornography. Some of them are, are come from a religious background and things like that, mm. um, which is moralistic. And, and for those, you know, if parents believe in that sort of stuff, that's fine. Yeah. Sorry? Can you share with us those, um, those the five books that you would recommend? Can you remember them off the top of your head or would you be able to send them to me later on so that I can put them in our show notes and, you know, help? Yeah, them? yeah, of course. Yeah, that would be fantastic. What would you say to parents who are listening right now and they're listening to this conversation about porn and they're thinking, my kid wouldn't? They wouldn't go looking for it because they're too smart or, you know, they've got good values, so they wouldn't. Or even if they saw it once, they wouldn't go looking for it again. What If a parent is thinking that in their head right now, what do you want them to do? It's, it's not a case of if 
kids see it, it's when kids. And um, I know you've done lots of posts on the statistics of how many, you know, at what age and things like that. But if I had a dollar for every time a parent said to me, my child would never go looking for it, they don't need to. It finds them. There is so, you know, they're on games and things like that. It just pops up. They don't need to go looking for it. But let's be realistic. How many of your listeners back in the day looked up sex in a dictionary? Well, now Google is our dictionary. And that would be my third point that I wanted wanted to bring up with parents. Never tell your child to Google it because um, I need parents to be their child's Google. Um, I'll also, in the show notes, um, send you a link to the book, um, Talk Soon, Talk Often, um, which is a fabulous resource made by our West Australian um, Health Department, but it's a free parent book. So in Western Australia, every parent can get it for free, Mm. but um, parents across the country can um, download the PDF of it and I'll send you to put in the show notes because I want parents to have those conversations about healthy relationships. You know, in schools, in my experience, kids, um, if they get sex education, it's normally STIs and unwanted pregnancies. But we need to know what a healthy relationship looks like. Kids need to know, you know, how you ask somebody out, um, that it's not love if somebody is checking your phone and telling you what you can wear and things like that. So I want parents to be the children's Google so that they don't have to, um, you know, because kids hear stuff in the playground all the time. Um, and in fact, that's one of the um, pages in one of my children's books. Um, I've, got, I've got a page on, you know, to walk away. If you hear kids talking about things in the playground that mm. either make you feel uncomfortable or you don't understand because kids are absolutely being traumatised by what they're hearing in the playground. Um, and, you know, they don't know. So if they, if you know, if a kid mentions something, well, I don't know how graphic I could be on your podcast. Go for it. Um, it's a guide by the, we can talk about anything, no matter what it is. So this is no whole Because <laughs> in my experience, you know, we have kids that know um, in grade four here in Western Australia that know about red chew. Mm. Grade four. Um, parents grade don't know four. about it. It's just, yeah. So if parents... Um, if kids hear about red tube in the playground, um, they're going to go and Google it. And for parents, if they don't know, it's just average people videoing themselves having sex and uploading it onto red tube, which is as easy to get onto as YouTube. Mm. But this next thing, we um, earlier in the year, I was at a school and I mentioned this next thing at a teacher training. And one of the teachers said, Holly, you're not going to believe this. I heard the grade fours talking about this in the playground last week. I was on duty. I didn't know what it was and I continued my duty. And kids are hearing about this next thing on a show called Family Guy. Now, Family Guy is an adult cartoon. It's not for kids in grade four. But imagine the kids hear um, the cartoon characters go and blah, 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 blah. And then on YouTube, kids are going to Google that, hit search. Nine boxes are going to open up with people having sex with animals. There is no, are you 18? This is that adult content. There is no warning. The Mm. nine videos are automatically running. And this teacher heard the kids talking about it and just walked away. Um, Good job. She didn't Google it at school. Otherwise, she would have been in a world of trouble. But imagine if grade ones hear the big kids talking about zoo something or other. 
it's yeah. very easy to spell ZooTube. Absolutely. So, you know, for parents, for parents to be active in their children's um, digital world, we didn't grow up with the internet in our back pocket. Um, and so the other little side tip I'd like to say to parents is don't use technology as a punishment. You know, clean your room or I'll take your iPad away. Stop fighting with your sister or I'm going to take your iPad away mm. because you may as well cut off their arm. Yeah. We need the kids because if they see something, they won't say anything because they know parents will take it away from them. Kids tell me all the time. Um, you know, I had, I was at a, a school, um, 22 kids in the class, um, eight of the kids at the end of the lesson stayed behind because I had talked about um, this is a class of grade two, so they're seven. Eight of the kids stayed behind in my lesson at recess time and they come on, off you go and play. And they said, no, miss, we need to talk to you now. So one at a time they came up. Of the 22 kids, eight of them had seen pornography on YouTube, but not one child had told a parent for fear of getting into trouble or having the parent take their iPad away. That's a quarter of children. That's, you know, we've got to do something. And, and parents have to have these conversations because, this you know, we say that. Parenting step, isn't it? These conversations are in yeah. no, not negotiable on any level. And being actively, highly engaged in your child's online world and actively supervising what they are searching for, what they're looking for, who they're talking to is non-negotiable. This is not a matter of trusting and assessing and deciding on my child is. They would tell me they're very sensible. This is this stuff finds them. No matter how sensible they are, no yes. matter how wonderful their values are, no matter how close you are with them, this stuff finds them. And when it does, it's trauma. It's a trauma. Is that a fair thing? Yes. But even parents, I mean, you all have had the same thing. Parents will say, my child doesn't have an iPad or an iPhone and they don't go on technology. But parents need to remember also kids go on playdates or the kid next door. And what I say in my training to parents is remember when, um, you know, your child believed in Santa and there was always one kid in the class I wanted to tell everyone else in the class, there's no such thing as Santa. Mm -hmm. There is going to be that one kid. And I've had it. I've had so many parents report this to me that, a child's come to school, seen something, told the class, and they've all gone, oh, rubbish, that wouldn't have happened. So children take mum's phone to school to show the whole class mm. that thing that they talked about. Yeah. So it's not a matter of good. It happens to good kids. Yes. Um, you know, parents can never say not curious kids. My kid. Kids together talking. This is affecting every single one of our children. Mm. definitely goodness holly and it's a big conversation isn't it i mean well that's the understatement of the year i mean i imagine that for a lot of parents listening right now they might be feeling a state of, if they haven't heard this before i mean both of us have covered these topics on our facebook pages you know we, we have gone there we've tried to talk about it um it's a difficult thing to get to get people to engage with this topic isn't it why do you think it is why do you think it is so hard to get parents to engage with this conversation and to really to really realize that this is relevant to their children and that they need to take action that's the million dollar question 
there's a, there's a parenting expert that's very well known. Um, and on her, when she shares stuff, you know, thousands of people like it and, you know, 500 people comment whenever she sends, shares something of mine, crickets. <laughs> and I'm always so grateful to her for, for sharing it. But it's just, it's not palatable. Um, you know, in Western Australia, every school is supposed to teach protective behaviours and teachers will teach what they feel comfortable about. So they'll talk about feelings and a safety team and things like that. But nobody wants to talk about these issues. And I basically say, if you can't talk about it, how can we expect a five or a six-year-old to talk about it? Absolutely. Absolutely spot on, isn't it? If it's too hard for the adults to think about and talk about, then how do we think our kids, how are we really going to leave our kids to manage this all on their own? Because that's what's happening. When we don't show up, when we can't bring ourselves to face the confronting, challenging conversations, what we effectively do is leave our children alone to navigate this online world and exposure to pornography and all of the things. Definitely. <laughs> Well, Holly, thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom with us today. Is there any final things that you want to add to the things that, that we've talked about or um, where can people, especially now that if parents have been listening to this and they're, you know, really wanting to step up into having these conversations, what would you invite them to do next? How can they find more of your work and what resources do you have that can can look to to support them in, in having these conversations with their kids and um, um, well, I'm always sharing sorry and how, how um, I'm always sharing some stuff on Facebook so it's just safe the number four kids yeah. but my YouTube channel I've got loads and loads of free resources um, I do also have an online parent course if people are interested um, which is paid but, you know, there was so much um, on my Safety Kids YouTube channel and probably some of the most proudest things on there is actually I've been fortunate to have made nine songs with Aboriginal kids in remote communities mm. and we've got the children singing, you know, um, songs about consent and about your safety team and about cyber safety. So um, they're just really good messages. Um, so, yeah, if people want to go on there and, and have a look around and, and then all my resources um, are on my um, Facebook, uh, sorry, website. Beautiful. So your YouTube channel, is that videos that parents can watch with their kids as well? Not yet, but one of the things that I've um, has been really brought home to me parents lots of parents are contacting me saying you know will I do one-on-one -on -one with their children um so they're basically wanting to outsource um me to teach their children rather than them to teach the children so I've put I will be going to build a um an online course for parents to do with their children I don't want them plonking their children down in yes in front of the screen and saying woman um, it's to help parents that maybe don't feel comfortable and know where to start that you know I will sort of it'll be a three-way thing so they'll be sitting next to their child and I'll be educating both of them at the same time yeah. and to really um, so that's next on my plans to do that's really good. the goal of it's really to start the conversation between the two of them you're helping the parent find the words and facilitate yeah, right. 
the course is then to facilitate the conversation and make it easier for the parent, but make sure that it's yeah. not it's not an outsourced thing. And that's a really important point, isn't it? Because these are these conversations just a one-time thing between parents and children, or are they more than that? Oh, definitely not. It has to be. You know, the best um, the best things that parents will ever do is in conversation. You know, in, that we in education we call them teachable moments. Um, I normally open my parent face-to-face parent workshop where I give everybody a copy of the book, Talk Soon, Talk Often, then I'll give you the PDF to to put in the notes. But um, one of the, I make a bit of a joke and say, how many of you had the experience, because I don't know what it's like where you are, but here in Western Australia, parents will be driving their child to school at half past eight in the morning and over the radio will come, do you suffer from erectile dysfunction? And then there's a voice from the back goes, mum, what's erectile dysfunction? And I say to the parents, how many of you would feel comfortable saying, it's when a man penis won't go hard because that's what it is and of course they're all just wanting to dive under the tables and <laughs> cover their eyes and going no way and I said now that's why I've given you that yellow book yeah. so you know that's we want parents to be able to be that comfortable and and confident so um you know it's, when it's a parent is confident and comfortable they jump on those teachable moments don't they and there's so many exactly. moments out there it's just about yeah. having confidence to grab them and to dive in, knowing that you are highly unlikely to say too much. I think parents often come to me saying that they're worried that they'll traumatise their kids. They're worried they'll say the wrong thing. They're worried they'll say too much. Um, and they just, they just, they're worried about scaring them. So what do you think about, what, how, what would you say to parents who are worried about that? Kids will take on board what they need at the time. And if, they, if you're going over their heads, they just cut off. Everybody knows that. Yes. So... It's, you know, you can say something in so many different ways, um, but, you know, there's so much terrible things on the TV, like, you know, The Bachelor and um, Home and Away. There's so, people watch those sorts of shows. Uh, or even if you just see the ads, you can talk about, well, that wasn't very, you know, showing respect to that person or, and things like that. Um, you know, there's that ad at the moment on the TV with the boy throwing the, the the girl against the mm. fence and things like that. You know, so parents need to look for those opportunities and not shy away from them because as you do, you know, we in, in our program, we teach the kids, you can talk to someone about anything. And that's what the message that we want. We want to open help parents open up conversations with their children and know that the kids, you know, like I said earlier, that the parents will be the children's Google, that they can go and ask them anything and they won't shy away from it. And another quick tip for parents is if your child comes to you and you're flat out, you're really busy, you're racing out the door to a meeting or whatever, and your child's got something so minuscule, but to them it's a big thing, please go back when you've got time and, and say to your child, what was that thing? Because Children test to see if adults are good safety team people. Um, and if a parent's always busy all the time, mm. um, you know, I've had children, when because when we help them set up a safety team, we use the hand and we pick five adults that they can talk to. And that might be another podcast down the road. <laughs> but I have children in every class that I do this with, no matter where in Australia it is, I have kids saying, Holly, I don't want anybody from my family on my safety team mum's always on Facebook or dad comes to my cricket match and he never watches. So kids are feeling really disconnected. 
So, you know, parents, I'm not trying to parent shame. I know they're busy, but we have to make time to hear those little things so that they know that they can come to us with the big things later. Absolutely. It just feels like you're speaking to my heart, Holly, with everything that you're saying. I'm just like turning <laughs> you on every single sentence that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> Well, Holly Ann, thank you so much for joining me today and for having this conversation, but not just that. Thank you for all of the work that you have been doing um, across Australia, reaching so many children, working incredibly hard in really innovative ways to give kids and parents the information that they need that really makes an incredible difference in keeping those kids safe. So, God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for joining me for Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what I do, check out my website, saferstrongerkids.com. Follow me on Facebook, Caroline Ellen, Safer Stronger Kids, and Instagram at Safer Stronger. Can't wait to talk to you again next time.